Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning in to the 44th episode on October 12th, 2021. Let's talk about the classic money tree that can be found almost anywhere. Not only can you listen to the podcast, you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And go check out the blog posts that are associated with all these podcasts as well. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast, my blog, and social media posts. You can also help support your favorite podcasts and blog by joining me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's been happening in the previous months. All right, let's dive in. So like I said, this houseplant can be found in almost every single plant shop. Usually they're not too expensive since you can find them anywhere. You can find them at big box stores for a really good price and you can find them at local plant shops as well. They usually symbolize good luck and good fortune. So we'll get into that a bit, but variety wise, there isn't a ton of different varieties of the money tree. Just basically mature plant sizing does vary and the stem variation does vary. So some people like to use money trees and put multiple in one pot. Some people will just use one single stem or most commonly people will see them as braided stems all in one tree form and that's the one I have as well. So since there's not a lot of varieties I'm just going to let you know what the botanical name is and a lot of the other common names. The botanical is Pachira aquatica. In other common names, obviously money tree is what it's most known for, but there's Guiana chestnut, good luck tree, Malabar chestnut, provision tree, platted tree, which is because of the braided tree that's most commonly found. And there's a lot more than that. I swear to God on like every source I found, all of them had at least five different common names and like half of them were different from the last source. So those were the ones I saw most commonly. But money tree is what you're going to find it as. I've never seen the botanical name before until looking up this plant. So that's just your fun fact there. So this podcast episode is going to be fairly short. It's a pretty simple houseplant. So there's really not much to it. So I'm going to dive right into the sun requirements. These like to be in bright indirect light. Keep them out of direct sunlight because they will burn. But they can also actually handle medium light too. So I have mine just off of a south window, but that window does get blocked by a building and by a tree by late afternoon, so it doesn't get a ton of full direct sunlight, and it's off of it, so it's not right in the window. And then, if you have an east or a west-facing window, it's probably the best spot for it, honestly. As long as you keep it out of the direct sunlight, it's fine. It could probably do just fine right in a north window as well since it's just plain green it might not grow as fast it might become a little bit more leggy but honestly it'll probably do fine there so pretty easy on the sun requirement side of things for water requirements it does need a little bit more moisture which makes this according to the plant world medium maintenance plant not necessarily a low maintenance plant needing medium moisture meaning 
that letting it dry out completely between waterings could cause the leaves to drop. So underwatering, in my experience, caused leaves to get crunchy and just drop quickly. As long as you're making sure you're watering consistently and you're not letting it go too long in between waterings, you're good. Giving it a well-draining soil is also really important. You don't want them waterlogged at all because they don't like to be constantly moist like a maidenhair fern. For humidity, this plant can actually really benefit from it, but in my experience, it's not necessary. So I currently have mine in and off that south window, but it is not next to my humidifier and it's actually doing really good. Once I figured out that it does need about that medium moisture and it needs to be watered a little bit more often, it, it grew very, very well and it's doing very well. So that is sun and water. We're gonna get into fertilizer and propagation next. So for fertilizer, I talked about this in the last episode, so I'm not going to go into all of the details about the new product I'm using. If you want to hear about that in the last podcast, go to 9 minutes and about 40 seconds, and that's where I start talking about fertilizer. Otherwise, I do detail it on the Main Hair Fern blog, and it will be on this one as well. Probably the next blog, I won't go into so much detail about what Fox Farm said, but I really wanted to put that out there. I am also going to put this fertilizer on a blog post called products I use and I will just leave the fox farm recommendation on there as well so you can see that so it's everywhere if you want to hear it again (laughs) so fertilizer I say this a lot um I say it in every episode it's there's never really a right or wrong way to fertilize at least in my experience there are a ton of different products and tons of different ways to do it All of my main sources I use, I use a lot of books specifically to do my research first before I go online looking at other blogs and whatnot just because I want to make sure I'm getting the right information. None of them talked about fertilizer. So to me, it's not as important as the moisture, the humidity, or the sunlight might be based on that. That being said, the books I used aren't necessarily the same ones I've used in the past. So like Plantopedia and the Houseplant Survival, the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual, sorry, long title, are usually ones I use, but it was not in those books. So the other books I use don't often talk about fertilizer anyways. Also, that being said, I did go online to see what a bunch of different sources were saying, and a lot of them just came up with the same walk around jargon of fertilize monthly during the summer and springtime and then fertilize every couple months or a lot less in fall and winter just like I do so um again just to reiterate I fertilize currently every two weeks when I water my plants I use the fox farm grow big liquid fertilizer right now on the bottle it recommends using it once a week So for plants that I want to grow larger, I have been watering them once a week, at least over the last month or two that I started using it. And I fertilized like that starting in February all the way till October. So right around now is where I cut off my heavier fertilizing. And then I probably fertilize one more time. I might fertilize a couple times in winter now that I have this different fertilizer based on what plants I actually want to grow in the winter. So either way, I typically use about a half to three-fourths the recommended amount of fertilizer, just because I would much rather under-fertilize than over-fertilize, based on my experience at the garden center. 
it's healthier to do that. So that's what I would do. I'm not saying you need to do it the way I do it. If you would rather use a granular that lasts months on end, go for it. If you'd rather use a miracle Grow product or something like that, that's totally fine. Fox Farm is not cheap. I've also used Despoma in the past. I really like their products too. So use what you're comfortable with as long as you're following the instructions on the packaging and maybe using a little bit less than the recommended, you should be fine. So that's fertilizer. Next is propagation. Pretty simple. The best way to propagate is stem cuttings. So at first, I was looking at my money tree the other day. I was like, how do you propagate this? Because I have a really young plant and it's only in a four inch pot, super tiny. And as I was looking in my sources and online, when the plants become more mature, they actually do have leaf nodes that are visible and you can cut at those leaf nodes and propagate in water or soil. It's not going to be the main trunk of the tree that you're going to be cutting. It's going to be the top leafy, bushy part that you'll be cutting. So again, you'll be just be cutting right below a leaf node and either sticking it in water for water propagation or putting it in soil and keeping that soil fairly moist. If you're keeping it in a soil propagation, keeping it at a high humidity is also really important. So that's propagation. So let's jump into some of the other fun facts and go into the Instagram Q&A. Okay, so this plant is part of the Mulvaceae family, which actually includes tropical hibiscus cacao, which is what chocolate is made out of, and hollyhock. Fun fact, when Peter and I got together in Costa Rica when we were in college, we actually went to a cacao farm and we tried the actual cacao seeds. It was actually very good. And then we tried like a very high percentage cacao chocolate and it was very, very bitter. That's why chocolate has so much sugar in it and that's why it's so good. So anyway, <laughs> so these are native to parts of South America and Mexico. In nature, these plants can be upwards of 50 to 60 feet tall. It was very, very varying online. So I saw someone said 20 to 30. Other sources said 50 to 60. Someone said 80. So I just put 50 to 60 feet tall on my website because that's like about average of what I was finding. It didn't really state it in any of my books either. Um, so I was looking strictly online and it was all over the place. <laughs> it probably depends on the environment and everything and what people have seen in nature or where else they looked up the information. So I'm going to put 50 to 60 feet tall in nature. But that's not the point. You're growing them in your home. And luckily, you don't have to deal with a 50 to 60 foot tree. Normally, in your home, these trees more than likely you're buying them at about a foot. Sometimes I've seen them at about three feet, like in a 10 inch pot, but usually they're not gonna grow much over like maybe eight feet, but it's gonna take forever to get there. And you can keep them more compact by trimming them back and pinching off the leaves and making them fuller. On that note, you can pinch back the stems if you're getting leggier stems to make the plant a bit fuller, just like you would any kind of trailing plant like a pothos, philodendron, string of hearts, anything like that, you would do the same thing. Also, these plants are commonly used as bonsai trees, so you can train them to become smaller bonsai trees as well. These do bloom, but not in your home, so it's usually a small yellow flower natively, but it's almost never happens, if ever. I don't think I've ever seen any information about it blooming as a houseplant, so don't bank on that at all. So earlier I mentioned kind of what money trees were known for, but they are commonly placed in 
businesses or in homes to attract money and luck. And feng shui practitioners use these plants to bring good luck and prosperity into your life. So that's kind of fun, right? Not a lot of plants have that kind of background to them. And my one last other fact is that these are non-toxic to pets and humans. And again, just to reiterate, podcast episode 31 has all of the information and I do have a blog post on that if you are wondering if something is toxic or not. I also recommend looking at the ASPCA website because they have a very full list of plants. But if you're curious and can't find info, feel free to reach out to me about it because it is something to definitely consider when you're buying houseplants and have pets or little little humans too. That's an issue. <laughs> okay, so the Instagram q and I do have two questions for you and I have been asking all of the Instagram, Facebook followers, anyone to just shoot me a question about the upcoming podcast episodes. If you miss the Q&A part I put up in my Instagram and Facebook stories, feel free to just DM me and let me know like, hey, I know you have money tree coming up. Here's a question I have. I screenshot all of them and when I am writing the script, I type them all out and answer them. That way I can give all the information back to you. So, don't forget about this. It could be just like a random question, a funny question, any question possible. Even if it's a question you know I'm going to cover, you want to make sure I cover it, ask it again. I'll always answer it. Or at least I'll try to. I haven't been getting like a super large amount of questions, so I've been able to put every single one in the episode so far. Okay, so two questions. One is, it wasn't really a question, it was like a statement kind of. It's signs it needs to be repotted. So it's kind of a similar answer for a lot of houseplants, honestly. So typically money trees need to be repotted every few years, but a, a lot of houseplants in general should be repotted every two to three years. And that's simply because one, they're probably running out of space and two, the nutrients in the soil is depleted and it needs to be given those nutrients again with fresh soil. But if you're not sure, there are a few factors co to consider. So consider is your soil drying out a lot faster than normal. This could be a sign that the root system is taking over the soil and the moisture isn't being held in the soil like it should be. Has new growth slowed down even in peak season? So this is also a sign it needs to be repotted. It could be a sign that the peak season is slowing down as well. So just be cautious of that. If it is slowing down in peak season, more than likely, at least for me, my peak season is really from March until maybe about August. It seems like that's like really good growth time for me. So if it's slowed down there, then you know there might be an issue. If it's a plant that's easy to take out of a pot real quick to check out the root system, maybe check that out. Pull it out of the pot quick. See if the root system is really full around the edges and it's really compact. Then that also is a sign it needs to be repotted. If it's been a couple years, do it anyways because the nutrients in the soil is gone. So that's what I would recommend. The next question I know is from my sister and I'm going to rat her out because I think it's funny. Um, it says, does money actually grow on it? Just kidding. But really, why is it called money tree? So I had to look this up too because I wasn't sure and my books actually didn't say exactly why. A lot of sources said there is a legend that a man prayed for money and prosperity soon after he found a money tree and realized he could take the seeds from it and produce even more money trees. And by doing so, he sold all of those trees and got wealthy from it. And that is how it became called, and that is how it got its name as the money tree. So 
I wish it grew money on it, let me tell you. I wouldn't just have one. I would have a ton of them and they'd probably be a lot more expensive. (laughs) So that is the end of the podcast. Really short episode today. Thanks for listening to episode 44 of Houseplant Homebody, all about the money tree. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this podcast. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog tab, you'll find it there. Also, there are links to Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC on my website. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're doing all the commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast my blog and social media posts. I love to hear from all of you and what you've learned through your own experience or through this podcast. And you can also help support your favorite podcasts and blog by joining me on Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content, and exclusive podcasts. So your support means everything to me and I am very excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. And don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts and corresponding blog posts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Well, hello, I'm back like usual. So I talked about this on the last episode, but I'm just going to put it back here again. If you're on Instagram or Facebook and you follow me there, there is a way to get notifications when I do posts um, or I do reels or whatnot. So you can, on Instagram, there's a little bell icon in the top right corner, tap that and choose what you want to be notified about. So if you only want to be notified that I'm doing posts or you like that I do all my stories or whatever you want to check out, you can be notified of that stuff on Instagram. On Facebook, it's the same concept where you can choose what you want to show up in your notifications for Houseplant Homebody. And I believe it's a little part that says follow preference or favorite preference or something like that. I probably should have looked it up before I did this, but it's one of the two. Um, I believe you have to click on your like dot 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 icon next to my houseplant homebody profile and then it will say like followers preference or something like that. And then you can kind of choose what you want to look at or what you want notified. So on Facebook, I'm just posting stories and actual posts. Any of the reels or IGTVs obviously are only on Instagram. So if you don't have an Instagram, I highly recommend following me there because there's it seems to be a lot more content on there just because of what they have going on. If you want to follow the podcast platform, at least I know on Spotify, you can also get um, follow me and get notified of when episodes are released on like your front Spotify page. And then on my website, you can become a member on the website, which just means you create a login and it allows you to comment or like the blog posts. But when you do that, when a blog post is released, you get an email. So that email is automatically sent out. I don't time it at all. It's just if you're a member, you get it. So those are a few ways to kind of keep up with what's going on. Also, if you're not a, I've said also like 10 times, I'm so sorry. But if you are not signed up for the newsletter, that is another way to get even more houseplant homebody information. So all of that stuff for you. My second and last note is that you may have noticed some changes in my posts. And if you go like a houseplant homebody's feed, you will notice there is a significant change in posts and there's like a pattern there. (laughs) So I am in the midst of kind of rebranding. 
And I don't like to use rebranding because I'm just the same. The info's the same, but I'm trying to be more consistent with colors and everything. And soon I will be getting a new logo. So that's really exciting. I just feel like the cacti in my logo is not very representative of me or Houseplant Homebody anymore. It was when I first started it maybe because I just had this vision of what I wanted, but I'm realizing it's probably not very on brand anymore for what I want houseplant homebody to be or the direction I want to go. So I will be making changes to the website soon. As I told you in the last episode, I do have an e-commerce website that I have started. I haven't loaded anything yet because there's no product yet. So stay tuned for that, but there will be. So all exciting things. Um, if you have any thing you want to see in stories or posts, let me know. Um, me and my sister is my sister is very very helpful when it comes to posts as well but we have come up with some good ideas just to get more content more savable content on the actual posts for you so if there's something you want to see or a topic you want to hear about let me know also i wanted to let you know i guess that wasn't the last part third and last thing i want to tell you what episode is next so you can look forward to that and it is going to be stromanthia triocolor that's right, people. Finally. <laughs> I've had several people ask about this plant. And to me, I wanted to cover some of the other ones first before I got to this. And I had just bought my first Stromanthia Triocolor earlier this year. And I wanted to make sure I can let it thrive before I did a podcast episode on it. So episode 45 is going to be that plant. Alrighty. Well, you guys have a wonderful week and I'll see you later. Bye-bye.